Hello everybody. So I just wanted to have a brief chat about the recent events, fairly recent events in the Watchers of the Throne series, because I don't think anyone's really covered it so much. I did a review on it when the book came out, so if you want to hear my opinions on the books themselves, go there in the review playlist. But uh, I wanted to talk about today this coup and the sort of implications it has for the Imperium and sort of touch on some things that happened, uh, some comments I received about my recent video, where I was, fairly recent video, where I was just having a laugh at the uh, Black Templars killing custodians because they don't want Primaris. And I think it, it points to some other issues within the sort of 40k, people who follow 40k and everything like that. Basically people aren't reading the novels, they're reading Wikipedia, or the codexes at best, and they don't actually know what's going on. And they don't understand the ethos of the universe. They don't understand what's what's happening. The actual, the detail of what's actually occurring. And it's frustrating to me. Because where the universe now is, since the fall of Kadia, it's probably the best place it's been forever. Uh, you know, the heresy. I'm behind on the heresy, to be completely honest. Because I know it's going to happen anyway. And... Uh, I've been following what they're doing with the new law, and I find it really fascinating, I find it interesting. I, I wasn't too keen on some of it to start with, but I feel like Guy Haley and Chris Race in particular have done some amazing things with pushing the universe in a, a slightly different, but more, much more, much more in-depth and meaningful direction. I don't know whether I'm using too many fancy words here, probably I am, but let's talk about it and you'll see what I'm saying. So, Gilliman has left. This is where this story is. Gilliman has left to lead the Indomitus Crusade after he took over the Imperium. And what happens on Terra? And this is fascinating. And it should show you the current state of things, how fragile the Imperium is. Because a bunch of the High Lords and Inquisitors and other people of rank and status decide to launch a coup against the Gilliman regime. Basically, uh, they bring in the Minotaur's chapter, who've always been a, a tool of the High Lords, and they're brought in to help the rebels, should we say, ferment rebellion on terror, to basically bring into question the legitimacy and the ability of the Gilliman regime that is left in control of terror so that they can launch a coup and restore order. And they're doing this by allowing or encouraging or supporting chaos cults on terror. This is how desperate they are to get rid of Gilliman, and we'll get into that in a moment. And so they ferment these rebellions so it stretches the resources of Gilliman's regime, the custodians as well, and will make the population of terror turn against Gilliman. And it seems to be working. And they ultimately attempt to basically just seize control of the of the military, of the garrison of Terra. And uh, it's put down by an alliance of, you know, uh, Imperial Fists who return on Phalanx from, from Cadia. Uh, and it's not mentioned where the Cadians went, though. <laughs> Which is a whole other issue I want to talk about at some point. How are they still Cadians? Why are they still Cadians? Anyway, they managed to put down this rebellion and restore order to a degree. But it points to 
the friction within the Imperium. And this is where the this is the good stuff in 40k. This is where the novels are going. It's the stuff from Belisarius' Call. It's the stuff here. It's the stuff with some other uh, the, the the Inquisitor series that uh, that uh, Chris Rape writes. These things are pointing to a really interesting direction for the 40k law, which is a lot more detailed. It's a lot more clever than it used to be. It's got interesting messages in there it's got interesting thought-provoking sort of uh, situations that are occurring what would you do and it's also set perfectly within the imperium the people themselves are functioning as they would within the imperium they don't act like they're they their current day people just plonk down just random characters they have a depth of knowledge that is in sync with the world that they live in. Their actions make sense from a law perspective. How they understand the universe, how they perceive the universe, how they perceive good and evil, how they perceive necessity, what they're trying to achieve, fits perfectly within the bounds of, of the laws of the universe as they would understand them. And this is the problem I think a lot of people are into 40k have and I'll go on a little diatribe here I did this Black Templars video and it's fine I don't mind getting comments and stuff like this but I noticed the theme with some of the comments was people not understanding who the Black Templars were uh, people not understanding the current state of the universe people unable to comprehend that the Black Templars would have a problem with the Primaris and acting as if I was just hating on the Primaris when I didn't say that at all what happens with the Primaris is so what, to, to just for those who don't know the Black Templars there's a, the, a crusade of the Black Templars and again people don't understand how the Black Templars work there's a crusade and it's a separate it's like a mini chapter the, 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 Black, the, the Black Templars are broken up into crusades which are essentially mini chapters part of the big chapter and uh, the Black Templars chapter is vastly is vast compared to other chapters they don't recognise Imperial authority they don't recognise Gilliman's laws for the breakup of the legions you see They've continued to recruit as necessity, as 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 meant. You know, they don't worry about the numbers. They don't keep to a thousand men. They just recruit crusades as needed and maintain their numbers, whatever numbers they need to conduct the eternal crusade that they've been on for ten thousand years. So, when a torchbearer fleet shows up, which is a bunch of custodians and tech priests and stuff. With, uh, sometimes they have Primaris with them, sometimes they just bring gene seed and the technology to make Primaris, show up to this battered, war-ravaged crusade of the Black Templars who've been isolated and stuck in a war, you know, fighting the forces of chaos since the birth of the Great Rift. They, they come to the Black Templars and say, yeah, here's Primaris, we're going to show you how to make these new Primaris and they're going to be better than the existing Space Marines. Why on earth, why do you think does this not seem like it would be a problem for these ultra-religious and fanatical warrior monks and monastic order devoted to conducting the Great Crusade forever, who worship the Emperor as a god, who view his plans, the things he did, as the actions of a god, the words of a god? Why would they suddenly go, oh, okay, that's fine, yeah, we'll just start altering with the plan, messing with the plan? And I think it's because people don't. People have a problem, I think, sometimes with projecting their own wants, likes, and dislikes, their own worldview 
on to, well, it's all, we've all stories, but with 40k in particular, there was people commenting going, yeah, but the Emperor was an atheist. And it's like, well, he clearly wasn't. If you knew anything about the Emperor, he clearly wasn't. And I don't know about you, however you want to define atheism, you can't be an atheist in 40k. You can say you are, but there's ghosts and demons and shit running around. Kind of, uh, there are no atheists in 40k. You can't be one. And you might say, well, yeah, but the warp isn't really... Well, it is, isn't it, clearly? I mean, it depends on your definition of the spiritual or whatever, the metaphysical. But in this universe, I mean, I, <laughs> there's, there's ghosts and shit running around. Like, what the fuck? You can't be an atheist in this, you know? Even if, And that's one of the reasons why I've always found the... I, I've always found, and I thought other people found it funny because of this. The imperial truth is funny because it's a lie. You get me? That's why it's funny. That's why... It's it's very bad what the Emperor did, because it's a lie. Right? That's kind of the whole reason for the Horus heresy. One of the underlying reasons for the heresy. Because it was a lie. It was all based on a lie. And I don't know, I don't know if you just don't appreciate human nature. I mean, you're never going to have a world where you don't have religious people. Even if you're like, you know, die-hard Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens level atheist. You're never going to have a universe. You're never going to have a human species without the spiritual element to them. Whatever you want to call their religion, they're always there's always going to be a religion because people need things to believe in, even if it's just on a subconscious level. That's why 40K is interesting and fun. And that's why the Imperial Truth is funny. And I realise now, people don't see it like that. They genuinely go along with that, well, you know, we should have a, an atheist, atheist civilization without... Uh, I mean, I would consider myself an atheist. Within reason, probably. I'm probably agnostic, to be honest, because it makes life more fun. I like the superstitions, it's funny. I like it, it makes life more interesting. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would be on that track myself. But, but, I've known enough people and I've been around in the world long enough to know that's not how people function. That's not how most people function. And that's hard-coded into 40K. And the heresy stuff has even just made it even more so. So this is the world we're in. That's why those Black Templars, yes, they're going to view the custodians as traitors to the Emperor, as heretics who need to be exterminated, as abominations, as spreaders of heresy and corruption, just as they would a Nurgle dude. But we'll get to Nurgle in a bit. And so that's the world that these people, these rebels on terror, these high lords who are rebelling against Gilliman, that's one of the major factors they're viewing... That they're actually, that, that, that's one of the reasons why they're taking the actions they are because they exist in this world where that is all true they are very religious people some less than others but there's, a, there's also a practical element to it as well Gilliman himself wrote the laws that no man could be a war master again no man could be Gilliman again no man could be the emperor other than the emperor can have all of that power of the imperium in their hands and Gilliman returns from the dead and comes back and goes and sees the Emperor and comes out saying, well, I'm in charge now. And everybody's just meant to, to agree to it. This culture, this civilization, which is for 10,000 years or 9,000 years, Gilliman was around for a while afterwards, no, you know, near enough 10,000 years has existed with the mythology that the Primarchs ruined everything. The sons of the Emperor nearly annihilated humanity. And ever since then, we've been trying to claw us our way back. I say we, them, the Imperium, the humans in 40k. 
that's the world that they know. And then this being, which is a myth to them, 10,000 years, just go and contemplate that, 10,000 years. All you've got is passed down history, myths. They are presented with something that they have difficulty comprehending and meshing with their view of the universe, the rules of the universe, the ideas of right and wrong, which are embedded in the culture. And they have to oppose it. They have to oppose it, even though it means confronting a Primarch, who some of them have met and they understand the power of these beings. These beings that they've been told horror stories about. These beings that they, more so than the normal Imperial citizen, they are the elite. They are hereditary, hereditary um, peers, what do you want to say? Lords, high-ranking officials who have inherited their position or they're from families that have always been in the sort of top tier, noble families. They know a bit more than the average person, so they understand the heresy in a certain way. And they're going to know that they all nearly got annihilated because of the Primarchs. In a way that the average Imperial citizen on some feral world isn't going to understand it. They will just be pure myths, fairy tales told to them. That's the situation you're in, and that's why they had to rebel against Gilliman. Also, he is basically a tyrant. He is a dictator. He is the Emperor's regent, and the Emperor is that, you know. I mean, you want to go back to the term Emperor and where it comes from is a tyrant for life. Now, you want to get into the discussion of whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's a whole other thing. But that's what he is doing. He has taken that position onto himself, which shows the journey he's gone on which is something that Guy Haley's been exploring with his series of books, The Dark Imperium and so on, on Gilliman's metamorphosis from someone who, uh, when Slanesh stuck the poison thing in his neck and he went into stasis, was attempting to rebuild the Imperium in a, much, in a slightly more enlightened vision, I guess you'd say. And that was always kind of in him. You look at Ultramar, how it was formed, how it was structured. It was an idealized version of a galactic human civilization. As we would recognise it, the closest thing to Star Trek you're probably going to get, ish, anyway. Uh, just with xenophobia. <laughs> but um, you know, he was he was probably more of a, more of a educated and more of a an enlightened kind of figure, I guess you would say, more than most of the Primarchs would have been or were. And that's what he was trying to do. Now he's been reborn into this dark Imperium that we're in. As, as the 40k universe is, as the Imperium of Man has become, this decrepit, decaying war machine. He realises uh, his objective, as the Emperor told him, is to survive, is to lead them and survive. And that means he's got to go back on some of the things that he would personally want to see, his own morals, his own ethics, in order for practical survival, as he has his way, practicals. What can he do? Well, he can basically become, invest himself with all of the powers of the Emperor and lead the Imperium as a, as, a, as a military commander. And maybe in the future we can start doing some reforms and maybe sort things out. But that's not going to mesh with these people on Terra. They have this religious, religious and uh, cultural antipathy towards him and what he represents. And just the basic sort of day-to-day -day politics of this guy's come in He's taken our power from us. He's stripped some of our friends of their positions. He's removed planetary governors, some of which have been hereditary positions since the since the heresy or before through the Great Crusade. He has shamed us. He has taken our power on a day-to-day -day political basis. We, who have ascended to the High Lords of Terror, our entire lives, maybe we inherit, you know, 
maybe we're from families who've been working to this for this for generations and this guy's just come along and taken it all from us we've got to get rid of him not only that is he he's a spiritual threat he's a, a real polit a real politic threat they got to get rid of him and that's why it's so interesting now obviously the rebellion's put down as I, as I mentioned with an alliance of custodians and um, Sisters of Silence, and that's a whole other thing, what happened to the Sisters of Silence. And uh, the Imperial Fists who return on Phalanx. And they put this rebellion down, just barely. But it shows the f fractious nature of the Imperium, and which was always there. The different organ organizations of the Imperium, the different wings of the Imperium, they were always in conflict with each other, nabbing at each other, trying to take each other's power, trying to take control of each other's worlds, that sort of thing, this vast, sprawling bureaucracy with all its different little little departments and so on and Gilliman's come in and ruined the balance of that even though the Imperium would have fallen it doesn't matter now that danger has receded now they're all of a sudden looking at themselves and going I ain't got no power but again I don't think people are following along with the novels and it's something I've seen with chaos as well um, I think people have a very simplistic view of chaos but I don't think, I think it's because people don't really study theology and philosophy and stuff like that. And I don't know whether I'm over-egging it, but I like 40K because it has fun with these ideas when it's written well. The Fabius Ball series, fantastic exploration of that. Very Nietzsche in its approach to the world, to a degree. But a great sense of humour to it, having fun with these ideas and these notions and this sort of direction of things. The book, again, by Chris Wright, uh, Lords of Silence, having fun with this. Why would someone follow Nurgle? Because it's gross, it's disgusting. But people do. How do you get to that point? What view of the world do you have? Well, eternal entropy. You know? Is, are the chaos gods evil? Well, yeah, but it depends, doesn't it? It's, it's, you know, I don't want to sound like a moral relativist here, but it depends on your point of view. And, uh, you know, the gods are real. And I feel like this is something that I feel there's an older branch of 40k which made it more explicit that the Chaos Gods were evil. Like, ooh, the evil girl. And now I think it's a little bit more nuanced. I mean, it probably is true that they're just evil, right? And they just want your soul. But not really. There seems to be a different... There's something more interesting going on here that the authors are doing uh, when it's done well. Sometimes it's done badly, and we won't talk about them books. But... Like, for instance, this one, the Word Bearers books are pretty good at exploring these kind of things as well. Why does someone give themselves over to chaos? In The Lords of Silence, it's about someone embracing the true reality of the universe, which is eternal entropy, a cycle of birth, death, and renewal. And really, that's what Nurgle is, to a certain extent. He's also gibbering Nurglings and so on. But that's the kind of depth that the 40k universe is getting now and i think it's missed on some people and i don't think other people are reading the novels <laughs> most people ain't reading the novels so they don't know anything about this but this this is what's happening in 40k and it's an evolution that's occurred over the last say six seven years and i think it's as a, as a result of heresy some of the things that heresy delved into were very interesting and i think some of the authors who were involved in that have taken some of these ideas or the, the, the some of the little ideas that were in there and have taken them away and done something, done other interesting things with them. And if you want to explore chaos more, I recommend first and foremost Fabius Boyle and the Lords of Silence novel, and also the Word Bearers trilogy, because that's really interesting. People always going about the Night Lord stuff, and that's great. That's 
fantastic stuff. But I don't feel like it delves into that sort of spiritual side. It does a bit like about prophecy and faith and so on. These are interesting concepts, you know. If you're a fan of Dune, you'll like that. They're in there. But it's also, you know, good old-fashioned uh, slaughter and uh, destruction. But this is where I am with 40k now. It's it's in a really interesting space. The Belisarius core stuff is brilliant. Guy Halley's made me love that character in a way I did not think he would be able to. He's a fascinating character. Read the great work. But these are the this is the sort of area that I'm most interested in with 40k now. Heresy is kind of just a thing that's going on in the background to me. This is the good stuff. This is the interesting stuff. And I feel like people are missing out and are coming at it with a really simplistic view of how things used to be. And they haven't been like that for a long time. This is 40k as it is now. And it's not that it's getting worse. I think it's getting better. Don't get me wrong. There's some books which are awful. <laughs> and I'm not happy with how things are proceeding. And I hate Alpharius now. That character's ruined to me. But in other, way, in other authors are approaching things in a really interesting, really insightful, thought-provoking way. And again, you know, it's grimdark, bolt-a-porn fiction, for, you know, like half of it. But within that, there's the scope to do these interesting approaches. Anyway, so that's all I wanted to talk about really today. The Imperium is in a really interesting place, and I'm hoping for more strife, more struggle, more civil war. I don't understand these people going, oh no, Gilliman, we're going to make the Imperium better. Like, they think it's like some, I don't think they understand what Grimdark is. It never gets better. It only gets worse. And the best you can hope for is that it gets worse in an interesting way. So these people who say, why, oh, if the Imperium and Tau allied together, oh, they could like beat chaos and stuff. And it's like, you don't understand anything about the Imperium then. And you don't understand anything about the Tau. The Tau are fascinating. I love the Tau. I find them really interesting phil kelly's work with them has been great the birth of the tau god of the greater good is so interesting and i want to see what he does with that but to think that they are you know in anything but a temporary truce they can't ally together you understand that it doesn't work like that they don't work like that they're completely antithetical to each other they can't ally that's the point yeah, there's interesting space for all these things, with the Tau in particular. And hopefully Gilliman encounters them and we have some interesting things there. At the minute, where I see things at the minute, Gilliman's off on the Indomitus Crusade, Belisarius Call is about to pursue the Necron strand of things to understand the warp in a way. He's trying to block the warp out by using the Blackstone technology, the Necron's knowledge. That's where he's going. Yeah, um, and there's some other characters doing some other little things and stuff. This Inquisitor who's pursuing these elements of the Inquisition who attempted to get a homunculus into the Imperial Palace to fix the Emperor's Golden Throne, because it's broken. And no one knows how to fix it anymore. Not even Gilliman, by the looks of it. So, because he didn't bother. <laughs> You'd think the Emperor had mentioned that. He'd say, yo, bruh, can you fix this? Because if this goes out, I'm fucked. But he didn't even bother. Um, he just gave him a sword and sent him off on his way. Probably just too excited. He's probably like, no way, you're alive. Anyway, that's all i got to say. I hope you enjoyed this. Just a little rant. Again, read the novels, read the books. And for those of you who do, you know where I'm coming from. It just gets a bit frustrating sometimes because people just aren't following along fully and they don't know all the things that are happening. And it's a shame because these, like I said, this is some of the most interesting stuff that 40K has ever had. And I'm really interested to see where it goes. Don't get me wrong, there's a couple of things that I'm not too keen on. 
but that's inevitable. You know, you've got different authors, and it's it's 40k. You know, the law is the law makes sense, and then sometimes it doesn't. I mean, Jesus Christ, Guy Haley had to do an entire retcon basically, and and reset his Dark Imperium novel and and all that, like a hundred years earlier, because they didn't know what they were doing with the Primaris thing, and he set his book after the Indomitus Crusade, which kind of made it a bit anticlimactic with the Indomitus Crusade. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> he set that right now, so it all makes sense, and no one will remember that either, but I will. Yeah, this is just a little bit of a rant, just for me to get that, just to talk about that. How can you not see why the Black Templars would have a problem with this? Are you following along? Do you understand what Space Marines are? They are monastic orders. They are warrior monks. Depending on the chapter, there's a little bit of cultural variation, but that's fundamentally what they are. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Dante. Is Sanguinius coming back? Is he going to become a reincarnation of Sanguinius? Is he going to merge with the um, the gold fella that I can't remember his name? You know, all this sort of stuff. What's going to happen there? Is another Primarch going to come back? Will Gilliman share power? Will there be civil war in that way? Because how could he? How can he share power with another Primarch? Given the choices he's had to make in the current setting now, since he's come back to life, since the Dark Imperium, since the Indomitus Crusade started. How can he share power with anyone? He can't. So what choice does he have? Particularly if that other guy won't take no for an answer. Which is, if it's another Primarch, any of the Primarchs, they're not going to take no for an answer from Gilliman. Because why should they? You get me? There's interesting conflicts emerging and coming. And I really want to see what happens. I think, the, I think the next thing that's coming up is Angron coming back on Armageddon. But other than that, we'll see what happens with this. Follow the stories. Follow Chris Wright. Follow Guy Haley. Anything they're writing is the good stuff. It's going to be quality stuff. I like to see the storyline push forward in this way. It's really interesting. The great work. Fabius Ball series. And Watchers of the Throne. Lords of Silence. Read those books. You'll understand where 40k is now. The additional depth it's been given over the last like 10 years probably. As a result of heresy. But, but these things are they're good in their own right. But I think they're definitely been influenced by the growth of heresy of the Horus heresy novels and stuff but it's really interesting it's much more interesting than heresy to me to be honest I care more about this stuff than I do about heresy anyway that's me just talking about this coup I'll go now I'm just getting a bit ranty see you later thanks for watching please give the video a like subscribe and uh, let me know in the comments if there's anything you'd like me to discuss any kind of aspect of the law because I'll I'll rant as much as I want because I, I, I enjoy it <laughs> and I'm happy to, if it's a good subject that I think would be interesting to talk about, I will, I will talk about it, if you're interested. See you later. Bye-bye.